Good morning, Victory Church. Let me hear you. All right, that was about 10% of you. Let's try it again. Good morning, Victory Church. Let me hear you. There we go. That's my church. There you go. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this incredible church. And as Pastor Brian said, if you're visiting, welcome. We're so glad you decided this Sunday to be with us. It's a great Sunday. We're in the middle of a great series. I just want to hop real quick on the back of some of the things he said. First of all, growth track. We said last week that we saw 16 new Dream Team members join the team in the month of October. Come on and give God praise for that. And we know of six people already who are going through Growth Track in the month of November, building the team, and we encourage you, hey, go ahead and jump in so that you can be on the team before the Christmas Dream Team party and get to, get to uh, participate in that. So you don't want to miss on some of those activities. That's my way of bribing you into Growth Track is you'd be able to be a part of the Dream Team Christmas party uh, and be able to hang out with us. It's going to be a great time. Also, that purpose prevails. I want to read to you real quick a verse, 2 Corinthians 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 7. And I want to show you what the Bible says. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, and, and not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. And so I just wanted to let you know that's why we're telling you now about December 9th so that you can be praying, because we want you to pray. And I said this last week, and I believe with all of my heart. If you pray and God tells you to give nothing, don't give anything. But if you pray and God tells you to give something, I want you to give what God tells you to give. And so Darla and I began a couple weeks ago praying what we'll give that Sunday, and we're just believing I cannot wait. December 2nd, I'll give a lot of vision of where we're going, and then December 9th, we'll celebrate and give together. It's just going to be a great, great time for Victory Church. This is a great season to be in this church. Isn't that right? Don't you agree? Um, I want to take a moment. And I want to celebrate veterans. I want to honor, if you are currently in the military or have uh, retired from the military, would you just do us a favor? Would you stand for a moment, anybody who's currently in the military or anybody who's retired from the military? Come on, church! Yeah! You know, it's true what they say, that the best-looking guys are in the military. That's what we know. <laughs> we just wanted to say thank you. And honor you. We, we could never, uh, in the amount of time that we have allotted in this environment, we could never thank you enough. We could never honestly tell you the, the honor and the thank you that you deserve because of what you've done for us. We get to go to bed every night in peace and in safety because of what you give your lives to do. And I, this is not formality. I wish we could do more. And, and as we move forward as a church, we will. But we just wanted to take a moment and say thank you. We honor you. We don't take that lightly for what you've done. One more time, church. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hey, if you got your Bibles, would you turn to the book of Luke, chapter 9? If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry. You can look on your phone or you got it on the screen behind me. We are in a series right now called From Here to There, in a series where we are asking God to do the impossible in our lives. I hope you've really grabbed onto this series and you are praying audacious prayers and are believing for God to do something crazy and audacious in your life. And we're looking for the faith and we're finding the faith to be able to believe for this audacious prayer. And so let me just kind of take you through the very first Sunday, we learned that to get from here to there, we have to learn what our there is. And so we have to identify our prayer. What is our audacious prayer? Some of you are praying for a job. Some of you are praying for a dream in your heart. Some of you are praying for a relationship, for a child, whatever it might be, whatever that prayer is in your spirit, that's your there. And then in week two, we said, hey, look, if you're going to pray a prayer, you also need to attach God's 
promise to that prayer, right? And so you're going to look in Scripture that week, and you're going to find what God has already promised you and attach it to the prayer you're praying. And if, the, if God's promise doesn't line up with your prayer, change your prayer. Amen? And then in the third week, we said once you've got your prayer and you've got your promise, guess what? Now there's going to be a process that you have to walk out. And it was going to be the soil for the seed of your faith, and that was sacrifice, obedience, which we're already giving you an opportunity with the end of the year giving, with the fast that's coming up in the beginning of the year, to sacrifice and to be obedient, and then intercession and long-suffering. And then last week, if you missed last week, we talked about that the entire faith journey this whole from here to there isn't even about you're there. It's not about you getting your prayer. It's all about experiencing the miracles in the middle and being able to walk with God through the process and grow in God in the process. And so we've learned the prayer and the promise and the process and the point. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the perception for our faith, the, the perceptions we need for our faith. So our perception of someone or something is revealed in how we approach it, right? So, so, so how, how we perceive something or how we, how we approach something reveals how we view it. Let me give you some examples. Anybody here scared of dogs? Anybody here scared of a dog, right? Yep, okay. We would know your perception of a dog based on how you what? approach it, right? You can see how people, you know right off the bat, if someone's not scared of a dog, it's, oh, come here, boo-boo, they do all that little weird talk, right? And they pet him and get nasty dog hair all over them and all this kind of stuff. But if they're scared of dogs, they approach them differently, right? I, I, I can tell your perception of the holidays by how you approach this month. For example, if you are bah humbug and you get angry when people put up uh, Christmas lights at this point in the year, then I know your perception of the holidays. But if you are somebody who's already got your Christmas tree up, let's go ahead and, let, let's go ahead and figure out. Who is it? Go ahead and put your hands up. Who is it? Yep. Y'all need Jesus. That's, that's true. You need him. Should at least have like a large turkey up or something before the Christmas tree. And, and so again, you, you, you get the perception by the approach. Whether or not you overestimate, underestimate, or properly estimate something or someone is always going to be revealed in how you approach it. And so in Luke chapter 9, we are going to see four approaches, okay? Here we go. Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through, it's in the 20s, but we'll start at verse 10. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida, but the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. He welcomed them, and he taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. And late in the afternoon, the twelve disciples came to him, and they said, send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so that they can find food and lodging for the night. Send them to the closest Chick-fil-A, quick, so they can get some food because they're hungry. And there's nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus said, you feed them. Er? Right? What? Okay. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Or were you expecting us to go and buy enough food for the whole crew, whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there, and then Jesus replied, tell them to sit down in groups of about 50 each. So all the people sat down, and Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up toward heaven, and he blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread and the fish to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. And they all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. 
And so all throughout this series, we've been looking at moments throughout Scripture where we saw big faith happen. And you're probably familiar with the story where Christ takes a very small lunch and turns it into a buffet for what theologians believe were about 15,000 people because you had 5,000 men and then you had wives and children. And so this miracle happens and we see four perceptions. I'm sorry. We see four approaches in this story that give us four perceptions of God. And so this week I'm going to talk about two and then next week we'll talk about the other two. You ready? Here we go. The first approach we see is this, the approach to set down. Notice what he said in verse 15. Jesus says to the crowd, tell them to set down in groups of 50 each. And the people sat down. Everybody sit down. All right, just making sure you're there. Real easy uh, illustration for you. The approach of setting down would have given off the perception of trust, okay? Let me explain. Let's just say, real quick for the sake of this conversation, that you and I are the crowd. And Jesus starts to teach, and we're enjoying Jesus' teaching, but we didn't eat before we came. Because we thought Jesus would be like the American church and be over in about an hour and five minutes, right? And so as Jesus continues to teach and it goes from daytime to nighttime, people start to hear that stomach growl. You know what I'm talking about? The little arr, arr, and they start looking and they're a little worried because Jesus has not slowed up at all. The little, the guy hadn't come out and started playing on the piano yet. So as far as they know, like service is not coming to an end and they are starving. And so somebody, and I, again, if it was us, it would probably be me, somebody had to say, hey, Philip, Philip, come here, bro. And Philip comes and, hey, look, we're loving this. Jesus is awesome. His teaching is just, it's fantastic. However, we're really hungry. And as you notice, there's no Chick-fil-A's anywhere around here. So we're going to need you to let Jesus know that we need to eat. And so I'm assuming Philip's like, all right, I'll go handle it. I'll go talk to Jesus. And so Philip walks, all right? Again, we're the crowd, and we've sent Philip to go talk to Jesus, and Philip goes to walk. Now, I'm going to show you where trust comes in. We're watching Philip go and talk to Jesus, but we don't know what Philip is saying. And so we're watching, watching. And all of a sudden, let me see this thing right here. Philip comes back like this. And he walks in, and he faces all of us with this. And then he says, y'all just sit down. Now, y'all from the South, you know that sit down means we're about to eat. So I would have been smart enough to start counting people. One, two, three. And I would have been looking at the sack lunch that he had in his hand, and I would have known, it's time for me to go. And here's why it's time for me to go. Because you don't have enough food to feed all of us. And I'm not sharing my food because I'm hungry. And so I would have had to leave. So again, walk with me. The moment they choose to sit down, they are showing a perception of trust. I don't know how you're going to feed us with that, but I trust that you will. So by them sitting down, they were giving a perception that in God they trust. One time, I was about 11 years old, and I had two friends. One's name was Robbie and one's name was Adam. And both of these guys were the kind of guys that have full-grown beards in second grade. You know what I'm talking about? 
I still can't grow one at 34, and they would have them in second grade. And, and they, just, they were like 47 years old in, in elementary school. Like, it just wasn't supposed to be that way. But, but they, they were thugs. They were just bad dudes. And I hung out with them because I wanted to be a bad dude. And so me and Adam and Robbie would hang out and, you know, do all kinds of, this is before I knew Jesus, so don't judge. And um, one time during the summer, Adam and Robbie came over to my house, and they said, hey, uh, there's this kid in your neighborhood by the name of Greg, and we want to beat him up. I said, cool, let's go, right, because that's what you do as a Christian, and so I wasn't a Christian, and so I, I leave out, and I, we go with them. He lived in my neighborhood, and we're headed to Greg's house, and I'm like, hey, so you don't think Greg's family's going to be home, right, and Adam's like, no, no, it's the, it's the summer. You know, he's at home from school, but his parents are probably at work. I'm like, okay, cool, 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 and I said, and so it's like us three against him, and he's like, yeah, if, if I need you to, and I'm like, oh, okay. So we get to Adam's house, and Adam's house has this, like, grassy way in front of it, and then it has these concrete steps going up to his front door. I'll never forget this. And so we arrive to, oh, I'm sorry, Greg's house. We arrive to Greg's house, and we go up the stairs, and Adam knocks on the door, do, do, do. And I'm standing there, and I'm trying to, because I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover, okay? And so I'm trying to figure out, like, how is this process going to happen? And all of a sudden, the door opens, and it's his dad. I'm like, didn't see that coming. And so his dad's like, can I help you? You know, we look like a bunch of hoodlums, and uh, Adam, being the idiot that he was, said, yeah, I'm here to fight your son. And I thought, oh, this is going to be cute, you know, like this grown man is about to let us have it. And he just closed the door. And I thought, okay, well, obviously that was his way of saying, get lost. So come on, Adam, let's go. And about the time I grabbed Adam, the door opened back up, and out came Greg. He went down the steps, and he went into the grass. And I thought, didn't see that coming. So I said, all right, well, let's, let's go. So we walk down the steps, and Adam's in the grass. You know, he's cracking his knuckles, doing what bad dudes do, you know. And I'm standing in the driveway with Robbie, and we're kind of like, this is going to be really interesting. And all of a sudden, the front door opens again. This time, his father came out. And his father came down to the staircase, and he sat down. Didn't see that coming. If I was smart, I would have known something wasn't right about that. Because dads don't normally sit down and watch their kids get beat up. You know what I mean? He didn't have popcorn. I should have known something wasn't right. But I'm standing up with Robbie, and I'm like, all right, here we go. And all of a sudden, Adam goes charging after this kid, Greg. And this kid had like a Taekwondo black belt or something, okay? And all of a sudden, he did this like rolling thing and threw Adam about 10 feet in the air above his head. And Adam landed somewhere over there. And then he got up and went and he continued to beat the snot out of Adam in his little driveway area. And me and Robbie are just sitting there going, oh boy. And so after Greg was done with Adam, the dad said, next... We said, nope, <laughs> we're good, we love Greg, Greg's the man, and we exit out. And that's just the moment I should have known. I should have known when he sat down. That should have been like a message in my head, that when he sat down, he must have had trust in his son. You know what I'm talking about? He wouldn't have sat down knowing, I don't know if my son's going to lose this fight or not. Like he sat down knowing that we were about to lose that fight to his son. Because when you sat down, you give off the perception of trust. And so when they sat down, they gave off their perception of God, which was that they trusted in God. I've learned this about us. We set where we feel safe and where we feel certainty. Jesus found James and John in their dad's boat. 
where they felt safe and where there was certainty of provision. He found Matthew at the tax collector's booth because that's where Matthew felt safe and had certainty. He found blind Bartimaeus sitting on the road where he would beg for money because that's where he felt safe and found certainty. Wherever we set, we often set where we feel safe and certainty. And so I always thought it was weird that they would set when Jesus said set and all he had was five loaves and two fish. And then I read verse 11. I was reading this over and over and over again this week, and something stood out to me in verse 11. It says, but the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him, which tells me that the crowds were there for who? Jesus. They weren't there for the food. They were there for Jesus. So they came fully understanding the capabilities of Jesus Christ. They were there already fully aware of what Christ was able to do. So listen to me. When they sat down, they didn't sit down based off of the food that they had. They sat down based off of who had their food. Did you hear that? It wasn't based off the food that they had. It was who had their food. Their faith was not in the menu. Their faith was in the Messiah. And so in that moment, their trust was in Jesus. It wasn't in the amount of food. It was in Jesus, okay? So as we move forward with our faith from here to there, the perception that we have of God is going to decide whether our faith remains strong or begins to go weak. And the first perception you and I need to have of God is this, that God is trustworthy. We have to believe that because we'll never start moving if we don't believe God is trustworthy. If we don't believe, God will provide. Because if we don't believe that, we will always look at what we have. But it's never about what we have. It's about who he is. Understand? So it's not about what we have in our hand. It's about whose hand it's in. And so as God is trustworthy, we can move forward from here to there. So that's the first approach. The approach of setting down, God is trustworthy. And then the next approach is this. The Bible says in verse 15 or verse 16 that Jesus looked up. So first he told everybody to sit down, and then he looked up. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. So first he tells everybody to sit down, and then he goes into worship. He begins to give God praise. He begins to thank God for what is in his hand. Now here's what confused me. There wasn't much in his hand. So it's interesting to me that Jesus is praising God, thanking God, worshiping God with this being all that's in his hand. Meanwhile, looking at a crowd of 15,000 people. And then I remembered something. The approach that we take reveals the perception that we already have. So the approach that Jesus made of worshiping, of looking up, was revealing his perception of the Father. Well, his perception of the Father was this, he's trustworthy. His perception was already established that his Father was trustworthy. So his approach, once again, was not based off of what he had, but his approach was based off of who he was. Understand? So there's a different approach in the process. And Jesus taught us this, that we can praise prior to the provision. And this is what I want to teach us this morning, that we can praise prior to to the provision. This is what Jesus had. And we all know what Jesus 
needed. What he needed was a buffet. What he had was a bag of food. But he began to already thank God because he knew who God was, he had the right perception of who God was, and so he could praise him prior to his provision. This means we can praise God before we get the job. You know what I mean? We can praise God before the healing happens. We can praise God before the pregnancy comes into place. We can praise God before the provision ever happens. We can begin to praise God because our perception is correct. When we have the right perception of God, our faith becomes stronger. The, uh, the problem with most of us is we try to operate in faith and our perception's off. And we begin to focus on the wrong things. Have you ever noticed that we as humans often, often look at, often see what we want to see? You ever notice that? Like, no matter what we're looking at, we can, we can see what we choose to see. We choose what we look at. For example, um, you ever met somebody, or, or let's put it like this, you ever gotten somebody's car before? And you open the door, and they go, oh, don't look. My car's real dirty. You remember that? You ever done that? Y'all are so quiet this morning. What's going on? So you get it. It's cold. <laughs> I can't talk. My vocal cords are frozen. Um, and so you get in someone's car, and, and, and it's, all, it's all, you know, they're like, oh, don't get in my car. It's dirty. And your, their car's clean. You ever had that feeling? You go, oh, man, your car's not dirty, not compared to mine. Your car's clean. It's spotless clean compared to mine because they're choosing to see what they want to see. Let me give you a better example. You ever came up on somebody and they were introducing you to their new boyfriend or their new girlfriend? And like, oh, you got to meet them. They're so perfect. And then you meet them and you're like, what you see in them? You know what I mean? Like, oh, goodness. Because they're choosing to see what they want to see. He's cute, but does he have a job? You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's so many times where people choose. Look, we can see negative in a positive arena if we want to see negative. And we can see positive in a negative arena if we want to see positive. It's all about us being able to choose what we want to see. For example, if you came to church today and this was your first time, it's totally up to you when you leave to be able to make the decision on whether or not you experience something positive or something negative. Because you get to choose what you want to see. There's more than enough stuff that went wrong today, I guarantee you. I don't know about it yet, but I'll find out about it in about an hour. That would have given you the ability to leave with a negative mind. But there's also enough happening for you to be able to see that and walk out with a positive mind. Because we choose what we want to see. And here's the understanding behind that. There's always a reason to praise God. There's always a reason. But you don't understand, man, I lost my job, but guess what? Somehow you're eating, right? I, I kind of get twisted sometimes on this because people will often argue it with this statement. You'll, you'll, you'll know this when I say it. People, when they're trying to explain that there's always a reason to praise God, this is what they'll say. Well, you're breathing, aren't you? I, I think. Don't really want to be, but I think. Here's my problem with that then you're telling me that the only reason I have to praise God right now is that I'm alive. And I know that God is good. And I know that God is doing so many great things. And so it's my job to be able to look for what God's doing so that I'll be able to praise him. Because there's always something to praise him about. Here's Jesus, the son of God, with 15,000 people, hungry, asking him for food. And he looks to his boys, the disciples, right? I'm going to need y'all to help me out. I'm going to need y'all to feed them. 
And I love this because, again, this would have been me all day, right? Here's Jesus going, hey, I need your help. We got to feed 15,000 people, figure it out. And Philip's like, hey, bro, some little boy had a breakfast meal that his mom got him, and I stole it from him. And we got this. And most of us, this would be a moment to see something negative. Once again, God, you didn't come through. Once again, I didn't get what I asked for. Lord, you know my need, but you didn't provide for my need. And Jesus thinks different because his perspective of the Father has been established as a God who is trustworthy. And so he takes it and he begins to praise. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. How many of you, when you were growing up, you had a magnifying glass? Anybody have one of those? Yep, a few of you. Anybody got one here today, by any chance? Hold on. Whoop, he provided again. Look at that. This is God just be coming through. Just always come through. God's so faithful. Got some fries on it. Here we go. All right. So, y'all remember this when you were growing up? Y'all remember using it? You would use it to magnify, make things that look smaller or things that are smaller look bigger. Some of you would kill ants with it. You know what I'm talking about? You'd put it out there and let the sun, y'all going straight to hell. And so, you know I mean, just killing poor little ants. Y'all need to watch the Pixar movie or something. And so, the interesting thing about a magnifying glass, though, is that you're looking at something that's small and making it bigger. And our problem is we often magnify the wrong things, right? So here was Jesus with the sack lunch, and the disciples begin to magnify the lunch. Ah, that's all we got. The whole time, Jesus is right here. The Son of God, the Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And instead of magnifying him, they choose to magnify the lunch. And how many times is our faith built on us magnifying the wrong things? We magnify, oh, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. I wanted to go from here to there, but there is looking real shady right about now. I don't really know. And instead of magnifying Jesus, we magnify our issues, our problems, or the blocks in the road. And understanding that when our perception becomes right about God and that God is trustworthy, we can begin to magnify him. Hear me, if we're going to move forward from here to there, you've got to start magnifying the right things. You came in this place this morning and something was on your mind and it's weighing and, you're, and you are magnifying it. Here's how I know. It's much smaller than you're making it out to be. It's not even a big deal. It's probably not even going to happen. But instead of magnifying God, we're magnifying our issue. And the whole time we lose faith in that process. So then I'm reading. I'm like, okay. Let's just say, for the sake of this conversation, that the disciples magnified the wrong thing. Jesus doesn't really magnify anything. Did you notice he doesn't comment on the food? He doesn't say it's enough. He doesn't say, just wait and see what I'm about to do with it. He doesn't even acknowledge the food. He just starts to thank God skips right past the magnifying part. So this is what kind of threw me off for a minute. Because I'm like, God, I can't go in here telling people we magnify the wrong things if Jesus didn't magnify anything. Because then wouldn't my answer to you be quit magnifying anything? Right? Just put the magnifying glass down. Wouldn't that be the direction I would give you? And, and I thought, and then I was reading, and I read Psalm 69, verse 30. And watch this. 
I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with what? Thanksgiving. I thought Jesus wasn't magnifying anything. But Jesus already knew that by giving thanks, he was magnifying who? God. I thought Jesus was magnifying anything. But by giving praise and by giving thanks, he's magnifying God. Now, once again, here's the problem with that. God's already as big as he's going to get, right? Because magnifying makes something that's small look bigger. How am I going to make God look bigger? He created the very earth that we're on. How does it get any bigger? So I needed God to be able to explain to me why I need to give praise prior to my provision so that I can magnify God if God doesn't get any bigger. And here's what God reminded me of. When we lived in Memphis, there's a basketball team there called the Memphis Grizzlies. Y'all familiar with them? They're not that good, so I can see why you wouldn't know. Um, and I got to go to games occasionally. And because I was broke, I would go to the nosebleed seats of our, it's called the FedEx Forum, okay? And when you got the nosebleed seats, there were actual seats where I think you were leaning forward when you sat down. Like, that's how bad it was. You were at the top of the FedEx Forum. They were like $3 and a Coke bottle or something like that to be able to get them. And so I'm in the game. And I went to a Los Angeles Lakers game, and if you know anything about NBA, you'll know who Shaquille O'Neal is, and he's like seven foot something, okay? He's a rather large gentleman. And while I'm watching the game, Shaq is this big. That's how big he is. I can see him like, do, 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 do. He runs, dunks, runs back, do, 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 do. He's like, what is that? Three, two inches, an inch? I don't even know. So he's super small. I thought, that's not how big Shaq is, right? But my perception it's kind of being dictated by my location. Well, a few months go by, and Pastor Ryan calls me. He says, hey, man, my sister got me tickets to another Grizzlies and Lakers game. I said, I don't want to go again, man. When I sit up there, like, I just, they call it nosebleed for a reason. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to go with it. He goes, no, no, my sister got me front row tickets to this game. Said, Wait a minute. Like, on the court? He said, yeah. He said, there's the front row, and then there's the row right behind it, and that's where our seats are. I said, oh, I'm there. Let's go. So we go to the Lakers game, and that same gentleman that was this big, Shaquille O'Neal, is there again. Yet this time, he's like this big because now my position has changed, right? So watch. Shaq didn't get any bigger. Am I right? He didn't grow in between basketball games. It's just my perception changed. And so it wasn't that he got bigger. It's just I went from here to there. And when I go from here to there, in the process of praising him in the process, it magnifies him when I get there, and he seems bigger, but it's not that he got bigger, it's just my perception changed. And so it's all about our perception. If I'm going to move from here to there, I have to perceive him as trustworthy so that I can praise him prior to my provision then as I move forward, he will begin to be magnified in my life. Listen, sometimes you're going to have to praise him when you don't see a reason to praise him. Sometimes you're going to have to convince yourself and lie to yourself just to move forward because you may not see it. You're just magnifying the wrong things. 
And as long as you're magnifying the sack lunch, you don't think there's a reason to praise God. But there's so many reasons to praise Him, you just have to start moving the magnifying glass. But the only way to move it to Him is to praise before the provision. I thought about this and this illustration came to my mind. I tell you what, I'm going to do this creatively. Man, y'all got worship team, come here real quick. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Don't, every time I tell you, Jamal, you start coming like you're 48 years old. Come on. Not that 48 is old. I'm 34, and I walk like that. Okay. I wasn't going to do this, and they don't know, but it's about to be fun. All right, you know the line, where'd you go? He went up the escalator. There you go. All right, you know the line, um, what a mighty God you are. Let me hear it. You ain't got no microphone on. What a mighty God, what a mighty God you are. All right, y'all go ahead and get him in band stuff, position. Okay, hold that right there. You can't hold that right there. All right, so we're in the here. There's the there, right? But I don't see any reason to magnify him in the process. Because the stuff that I've been through, I've been magnifying the wrong thing. And so even though I've been going from here to there, I don't really see any real reason to keep faith in my process. But if I magnify him, if I praise him, all right, get ready, Jamal. Here you go. Ready? Hit it to me. Do it. What a mighty God. What a mighty God you are. One more time. What a mighty God. What a mighty God you are. One more time. What a mighty God. What a mighty God you are. I'm almost there. One more time. One more time. What a mighty God. What a mighty God you are. before my provision, but my praise moved me. You see what I'm saying? I was here and I wanted to go there and I didn't see a reason to praise God through the process, but I understood that if I just started praising him prior to my provision, it would move me forward. And so I would go from here to there and I would keep moving as I keep praising and I'm magnifying him, causing him to become bigger than my issue. And I'm so glad that I can praise him when I don't see a reason to praise him. And so I just wonder, here we go. Would anybody say, I've got a reason. I don't see it, but I know I'm going to praise him anyway, right? Anybody with me? Anybody with me? I'll do it by myself. Here we go. One more time. Let me do it again. Here we go. What a oh. mighty God. What yes. a mighty God you are. What a mighty yeah. God. What a mighty God you are. What a mighty God. Yeah. What a mighty God you are. What a mighty God. What a mighty God, you are. What a 
quite the way you thought they were going to go. They're passing out the food and you're doing the math in your head and you know they're going to run out of biscuits by the time they get to you and you don't want chicken if they ain't going to have biscuits. You know what I mean? Amen. And so it's coming and, and you want to stop. And here's what we do. I felt the Lord said, we hold on to our hallelujah. I'm not going uh -uh. to praise. I don't have a reason to praise. And man, if this isn't a prophetic word for you, my goodness, here's what God tells you. It's just going to take another hallelujah. It's all you need is one more. And hey, it may take a thousand hallelujahs. You may be on 999, and it may just take one more. But you've got to be in the mindset of there's always a reason to praise God. And as long as you can praise him prior to your provision, you're going to be able to magnify him in the middle of your issue. And you will move from here to there and you will continue to move forward. Hey, I know you're tired and I know you're weary and I know you want to give up, but it may just be one more hallelujah. It may have taken a thousand, but it worked on your mind. It changed what you magnified and it got your focus on God and you quit worrying about how you would and started worrying about how he could work, how you could uh, ever offer up the amount of worship that he deserves and it shifts your mindset. 
There's a verse in the, in, in the scripture that says that the, the flowers, they don't worry how they're going to operate and how they're going to be dressed and the birds don't worry how they're going to eat. They just worship God. And I think all of that was to tell us, listen, if we would quit worrying about all of the process and what is this and just learn to praise God. Just thank God. And I think David said it the best in Psalm. And I think maybe this was a reference that Christ did, at least the way that the disciples pinned this. I think it may be a reference to what David said. Jesus said, sit down. And then Jesus looked up. David said in the 121st Psalm, verse 1 and 2, he said, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? Here's what that is for you and I. I look to my job. Does my help come from there? I look to my spouse. Does my help come from there? I look to my bank account. Does my help come from there? I, I, I look to my brother and sister. I look to my mom and dad. I look to my gifts and my talents. I look to my authority and my position. I look to those who have helped me. Does my help come from there? It was a rhetorical question. He already knew the answer. The answer was, no, it does not come from there. My help comes from where? The Lord. So I look up, but I'm not looking up at the mountains. I'm looking up at the Father. And I'm understanding that my help comes from the Lord. So to go from here to there, we got to have the right perception. And the first perception is this, God is trustworthy. That gets you to sit down. You got in your car this morning and you sat down trusting your car was going to bring you here. It was faithful, some of you. You came into church, you sat down in the seat trusting that I was going to preach this morning. Tried my best. There's trust when you sit. So Jesus said, sit down, trust me. God is trustworthy. And then you look up knowing that God is where your help comes from. Your faith will never go from here to there if those perceptions are off. He's trustworthy, and he is where my help comes from. So I thought it'd be fun just one more time to give you an opportunity to praise prior to your provision. I don't know, what you, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're believing for. I don't know what your audacious prayer is. I don't know what your job situation is. I don't know what your marriage situation is. I don't know what it is with your kids. But here's what I know. Every one of us, we're continuing to move, and there's continual areas where we want God to help us. And from the, from the very beginning, God's only purpose was for us to be able to praise him without the provision, to just magnify him. I thought it'd be cool just for a moment, just one more time, to magnify him in this house. Can we do that? Can we do that? Just, again, whatever your magnifying glass is on, just shift it off for a second. Take it off for a second, and let's magnify him in his presence, right? Just another hallelujah. For you, this might be, this might be your 1,000th hallelujah right now. You might be at 999, and it's going to be this praise moment right here where God says you've been faithful, and you've kept praising, and you've kept moving, and I'm about to release heaven of everything that you've asked for and everything that you're praying for because you praised me prior to the, to the provision. Come on, let's pray. Lord, I thank you right now for your faithfulness, for your provision. God, I thank you 
for your greatness. I thank you for those that you've drawn into this place that need your salvation, that are going to give their lives to you. I thank you for those that are serving you faithfully. I thank you for the blessing you have on our life. And I thank you for moving us from here to there. But God, in the middle of it all, when we're looking at sack lunches and we're trusting and not understanding, God, despite all of that, we're going to praise you in this place this morning. For you are mighty. You are a mighty God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.